Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. My goodness, it is good to have a little bit of technology to join with you, CFA, and our Multiply fam during these unprecedented days. And look, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, you got about 30 seconds. If you need to make a bathroom break or a refrigerator run, you got about 30 seconds. Don't be running to the refrigerator in the middle of this message. I'm going to call you out. All right, uh, God's going to talk to me. We're going to talk about that later. So, uh, look, if you need to uh, uh, adjust a little bit around the room or whatever, but just settle in. And would you grab your copy of God's Word? These are certainly, certainly some crazy times, some unprecedented times. And yet, I believe with all of my heart that God would have a word for us. Um, one of, one of the things that I get a little OCD about is, is clutter, okay? So um, uh, I don't deal real well with clutter around the house or in, in vehicles and different things. My office desk is a different story. I don't know why uh, I need to get on that a little bit better. But just clutter in general uh, kind of stresses me out, and I'm, I'm certainly not a hoarder. Um, and in fact, if I'm scrolling through the television channels at times and I just see that television program about hoarders, I think it's on TLC, I don't even have to click on it. I don't have to see it for a moment, but like just seeing the word hoarders stresses me out a little bit. I remember one time I was walking through my, my, my kid's uh, bedroom when, when they were young, probably about two years old, and there was just toys all over. And sometimes sometimes there's, there was even duplicate toys, right? Like they had two of the same thing, like an aunt might have gotten them one thing for Christmas, and then and then uh, uh, grandma might have gotten them something for their birthday or something. I, rem- I remember just, just kind of having a moment where I, I went to the kitchen, I grabbed a, a trash can, and I walked through, or a trash bag, and I just started chucking, chucking their toys in there, like, we're going to have a, a declutter moment. We're going to have a, a hoarding moment. I started thinking about hoarding, and do you know, it's interesting because sometimes during times of crisis, If we're not careful, we can hoard emotions without even realizing it. And what I mean is that some people become emotional hoarders. And so I gather, I gather the anxiety during the crisis. Or or I I begin to, I begin to gather the panic during the tragedy. Or or I I gather the hurt during the offense, or I gather the worry during the uncertainty, and then what happens is we don't realize that we're, we're gathering all of these emotions, and then when the crisis passes, and by the way, church, this will pass. This, this shall pass. This is not how this thing ends. But if we're not careful, the event will pass, and we will find ourselves still living out of emotions that we've gathered and hoarded, and so we'll start still living. Even though the crisis is over, we'll still be living out of fear. Even though the the moment is over, we'll still be living out of that panic or living out of anxiety. And so during a crisis moment, you have emotional hoarders. You have emotional ignorers. Now, I don't believe that there are a lot of these out there, but there are some people that during crisis, it's like, I don't want to deal with it. 
I, I, I don't want to, I don't even want to admit it's going on. And, and you just ignore that. And those are on the far ends of the, the spectrum. And so I don't want to hoard my emotions. I don't want to ignore my emotions. Here's what I want to do. And I, I know there's a better word for it, but I just couldn't think of one. I, I want to be an opportunist. In moments like these, I want to seize these windows of opportunity. You say, Pastor, that sounds weird. And I, I don't mean it in a way that we take advantage of any situation. I don't mean in a way that we certainly take advantage of people or their emotions or anything like that. I don't mean it like, like this is good in any way or that God caused it. This is caused by, this is, this is a Satan thing. Disease is, is a sin thing. Sickness is a, a, a sin thing. It is evil. And in no way, in no way did God cause this, but God can use it. The Bible says that in all things, God works together for good to those that glorify him. And so even though the situation is evil, even though the situation is bad, God can still work good. And I want to seize, here's the, here's the word. Here's the phrase that has been in my heart and on my spirit during this past week is, is this. Let me, give, let me give you my title. Don't waste a crisis. Don't waste a crisis. Come on, tell somebody in your living room. Preach that to them. Say, don't waste a crisis. If you're, if you're watching on your iPhone somewhere by, by yourself and you got your headphones in right now, you can whisper that. Say, don't waste. Preach to yourself. Don't waste, don't waste a crisis. I'm telling you, this is a window. This is a moment of opportunity. I don't believe it's going to last. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not prophesying this. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a physician. I don't think it's going to last uh, exponentially long, but there is a window. There is a window, and I I don't want us as the people of God to waste a crisis. I think there are some opportunities that the Lord would have us step into and take advantage of even during this time. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. Don't miss an opportunity for innovation. Don't miss an opportunity for innovation. Isaiah 43, 19 says this. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it. And then I want you to watch this. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And here's what I want somebody to notice about the environment in which God births new things. I want somebody to, I want you to notice the external circumstances in which God breathes new life and new way. He breathed in this passage, it was new roads, say new roads, and new rivers, say new rivers, new roads and new rivers. But God is not building a new road on top of an existing road. This is not an NCDOT repaving project. This is like brand new territory. This is not the river was already a trickling uh, a creek, but it expanded during a season of rain. I want you to look. Somebody's going to catch this. Somebody's going to catch this in, in, in a living room. Somebody's going to catch this. The environment in which God births new things is barrenness and it's wasteland and it's wilderness and it's desert because God thrives in birthing new things in environments that are actually hostile 
to the birthing of that new thing. That's the kind of God that you serve. The kind of God, the God that you serve is the God that can give you a new road when there's not a new road. He can give you a new river when there's not a new river. In the early uh, 1900s, uh, there was a a, a phrase, and it was was cotton was king in the the south. And cotton was the the cash crop of a lot of the southern states, and and, um, there was vibrant economies. And and look, I understand, understand and that there was a lot of negative uh, to that too in the way that, that people were used. And, and, and so I'm not speaking in any, any way to that situation. I'm just, I want you to get, catch the gist of this story though, that, that cotton was the cash crop in the, in the South. And in 1915 in Alabama, something, something happened. Uh, see, in Enterprise, Alabama, it was just like it was automatic. You, plant, you planted, you harvested, and they were, it, was their, it was their source of income. It was their source. Their families were dependent on it. Their, their communities, their, their whole way of living was dependent upon this. And uh, in 1915, there was an insect that was introduced from another area called the boll weevil. The boll weevil. Uh, people that maybe have grown up in uh, our broadcast location is in uh, Cabarrus County in North Carolina. And, and uh, we, one of our, our baseball teams used to be called the Piedmont Bowl, Bowl Weevils. Strange, strange name for a, for a baseball team. And, and actually, if you go to Enterprise Alabama today, in the middle of their downtown, they have a statue of a bowl weevil. It, it's, it's crazy. Like, like, here's this statue. If you look at this insect. Why would any, like, it's like, like this cockroach-looking thing. So you've got this lady, and she's, she's lifting up this, this cockroach, right? She's lifting up this boll weevil. And you say, why would, why would any town have a statue to a boll weevil? Well, it's because the boll weevil came in, and they, it destroyed. It wiped out. It wiped out the cotton crop. And, and so the town was panicking. The town was saying our entire way of living is going to have to adjust. And, and it was there that H.M. Sessions, H.M. Sessions saw something differently in a moment of crisis. He saw an opportunity. He saw an opportunity in a moment of crisis. And he began to convert, convert the area from cotton to peanut farming. And in a matter of just a couple of years, farmers began diversifying crops. Peanuts were coming in. And the economy of Enterprise Alabama and the people of Enterprise Alabama and in that surrounding region, in that surrounding territory, began to thrive, began to be better off because somebody took advantage of something during a crisis. Can I tell you and can I remind you again that we serve a God that is about new rivers and about new roads and I have been praying for our small business owners out there because I know you're suffering. I know the anxiety. I know I know the worry. Can I just speak new rivers? Can I speak new rivers, new sources of income to you, new ideas that you'll get ahead of this curve that during this time of crisis that the Spirit of God would rise up within you, that prophetic spirit of God would rise up within you and he would give somebody out there a new idea, a new way of doing something. Take advantage. Don't waste a crisis. Don't waste a crisis. I think that God can use us to pull our families together. 
He can use this to pull marriages together. He can use us, he, he can use this to, to up our game getting in the word of God. He can use this to increase our prayer lives. He can use us, don't waste a crisis. What is the opportunity? And, and, and in 10 months or, or five years or, or whenever, whenever, whenever you look back and we start talking about, you know, like we do now, hey, remember, remember when those towers fell? Or, or, or maybe those of you from a previous generation remember remember when the Vietnam War was over, or remember remember that crisis. What in, in months or years when we look back upon this moment and say, do you do you remember the spring of 2020? Can I ask you this? What what will your statue be? What will God have birthed in your life during a moment of crisis that you will look back on and say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that again. I wouldn't want to walk through that again. I'm not, thank, I'm not thankful for the, for the event itself, but I'm thankful that God birthed something in me during that time. Maybe, maybe it'll change your marriage. Maybe it'll change your business. Maybe it'll change entrepreneur. I'm telling you, I, pr- I speak this over you in the name of Jesus. I speak new ideas. I speak a new way of doing business. I speak, I speak ways of doing things that you haven't thought of yet that are going to propel you into the future. Don't, mi- don't miss opportunities. Don't waste a crisis. Don't miss an opportunity for growth. Don't miss an opportunity for growth. In Acts chapter 11, it says this. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered... During the persecution after Stephen's death, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch of Syria, and they preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. This was a really interesting situation. So before this, let me give you just a little bit of church history. This is really interesting. So the, the birth of the early church was in Jerusalem. Uh, Acts 1, 8, Acts 2, 4 tells the birth of the early church was the day of Pentecost. This Holy Spirit came down. People heard people speaking in different languages. 3,000 people get saved in one day. And the early church began to thrive in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was built on a temple model. So you've got to go back and look at the Old Testament. They would worship, worship corporately at the temple. But the people that were being saved in Jerusalem were predominantly, they were they were Hebrews. They were Jews. And it was wonderful. And the church was growing and the church was thriving. And you say, but here's what happened. They kind of they settled into Jerusalem church. And they kind of got comfortable in Jerusalem church. And again, I remind you that God, God doesn't cause evil. God doesn't cause disease. God doesn't cause sickness. God doesn't, certainly doesn't cause persecution, but he can use it. And so what happened to the early church in Jerusalem is there was a a guy by the name of Stephen, and Stephen was stoned. So they took these huge rocks, and they brought Stephen into the the center because he was preaching something that the religious leaders didn't like. And they they put Stephen to death, and they began to persecute. And when they persecuted the early church, watch this, it forced them out of their comfort zone. It forced them to scatter. I know this is going to sound a little bit edgy, church. But God loves lost people more than he loves your level of comfort. 
And again, God doesn't cause persecution, but he will use persecution in our lives to get us out of our comfort zone. Because sometimes, if we're honest, we all settle into routines. We all settle into areas of comfort. And God is reminding, see the problem, what was wrong with the church in Jerusalem? Nothing was wrong with the church in Jerusalem. But watch this, their promise was bigger than Jerusalem. Their promise, if you go back to what God said, God said, I will fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God had to get them out of Jerusalem because their promise was bigger than Jerusalem and can I remind somebody today, church, our promise is bigger. Our promise is bigger. And what if we use this crisis, what if we use this as an opportunity to step into our promise that is bigger than just our local context? I, I, I don't want us to miss verse 21 that says, The power of the Lord was with them. And a large number of these Gentile, Gentile believers, a large number, did Gentile, were Gentiles saved before this? Yes, but this was the first instance that revival broke out among the Gentiles, among a group that previously was not giving their hearts to Jesus. What if God uses this crisis to start bringing revival to new areas and new people that had not previously heard the gospel? Can we partner with the Holy Spirit in this moment? I, I, I just, I feel like somebody needs to know your promise is bigger. Your promise is bigger than Jerusalem. Step into the Judea of your promise. Somebody, your promise is bigger. Step into the Samaria of your promise. Your promise is bigger. God's forcing us. He's, he's using this. He's forcing us out. And uh, look, I don't, I don't have time to do a whole, a whole teaching on, on this. At some point, I may preach a whole, a whole series on this. But Ephesians chapter 4, there's five gifts that God gives the church. Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Um, so uh, if you use the acrostic of that, it's apest, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And um, let me use this as an example. So, so during the old days, what they did, like uh, back, in the, back in the day, if there was a crisis, what they, what they did is the sheriff would deputize all the, all the citizens of the town. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if they really did that, but I was watching a, sh uh, a, a show of an uh, uh, episode of Andy Griffith, and, and he did that the other day. So at least, at least in Andy Griffith, they did that. They deputized, they deputized the, the citizens. Here's what I, I feel like God is doing. He's deputizing all of us. I think that maybe, maybe in our Jerusalem model of church, we got a little bit too reliant upon professional clergy to do the work of the ministry for us. What if God is reminding us in Ephesians chapter 4? See, it's not just the paid staff of the church that have apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding, and teaching giftings. You have that. You have that in you. Read that passage. It says, I can't, I can't tell you how many times it says all, 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 all. And it's talking about the whole church. Out of the whole church, some of you have apostolic in you. Some of you have prophetic in you. Some of you have evangelistic in you. Some of you have shepherding in you. And some of you have teaching in you. And so I deputize you in the name of Jesus. Rise up to begin to use those giftings and that anointing as we're forced out of our corporate gatherings for a season. Now we'll come back because it went from 
Jerusalem to Antioch, and Antioch was still a large, there is still value, hear me, there is still value to large corporate gatherings of the church, and I can't wait for that Sunday when we are all here. We're going to party, church. We're going to throw down. We are going to praise. It's going to be a celebration, but can we use this season to deputize? Here's what I mean. If you have apostolic in you, what that means, it's an entrepreneurial anointing, and so start something new. Some of you have been itching to start something new. Now's your time. Start something new. I know it sounds weird, but start something new. Some of you have prophetic in you, and your heart is burning, and it's, it's saying, what about the kids? What about the kids in school that aren't getting lunch? And what about the underserved of our community? Prophetic, rise up right now and begin to step in and meet the needs of the oppressed. Prophetic, begin to use your mouth and don't declare. Be careful. Be careful, prophets. Be careful not to declare criticism. I want you to begin to declare life. I want you to begin to declare healing. Uh, some of you have the gift of healing in you. I want you to begin to prophetically use those gifts and declare that in your, in your prayer closet and declare life and love and the peace of God in the name of Jesus. Evangelists, rise up. You don't even know how open people are right now. You, right now, you ought to be winning somebody to Jesus every day. People are more open to Jesus during times of crisis than ever before. And some of you are just, your hearts are burning for the lost. And you say, I could reach out to this person. I could text this person. I could, I could be an online evangelist right now and just hit that share button. Come on, hit that share button even now on Facebook and begin to tag somebody and say, you, you, I, I want to share this word with you. And then some of you, some of you are shepherds. Some of you are shepherds and you're starting to think, you're thinking about the people in your groups and in your tribes. You're thinking about your neighbors. I release that shepherd gifting in you in the name of Jesus. Reach out, reach out. Are you doing okay? Are you doing okay? Is there anything I can pray with you about? I'm here for you. You don't know the power of just one reaching out. And some of you are teachers. I call you to get into the word of God like never before and look for insights. Look for comfort. Look for strength. I deputize you. I baptize you in these in the name of Jesus during crisis. It's when people rise up and begin to use their giftings like never before. Let's not waste this crisis to release this apex gifting across the body of Christ. And then here's the, here's the final thing. Let's not miss the opportunity for a purified heart to look inward the Bible says in Luke chapter 11 as Jesus was speaking one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal so he went in and he took his place at the table and his host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand washing ceremony required by Jewish custom Jesus didn't use hand sanitizer Come on, come on, Jesus. Like that's, that's the unforgivable sin right now. Like Jesus, you got to wash your hands. You gotta wash your hands. But then Jesus said to them, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy. You're full of greed and wickedness. Jesus says, fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside church? I don't want to miss 
a moment to make sure that my heart is right before God. I'm thankful that you're washing your hands. Wash them more. I'm thankful for hand sanitizer. Use it more in the name of Jesus. But let's not just wash our hands. Let's wash our hearts. Can we use this as an opportunity to come before the King of kings and Lord of lords and pray a prayer like King David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there is any wickedness in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Would you just close your eyes right now, right where you're at, and would you ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart? God, if there's anything in there, if there's some, some greed, if there's some selfishness, if there's some unforgiveness, if there's some prayerlessness, if there's some lust, God, search our hearts. If there's envy, if there's strife, search our hearts, oh God, would you just, come on, just, just ask that, just in this moment, in this moment, just say, cleanse me, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come on, Christian, this is for the believers. This is for the believers. God wants to purify his people. He wants to purify his church. And can we just have a moment where we're washing our hearts? And can we say we're going to do this daily? And we're going to do this multiply, multiple times daily. Cleanse me, God. Cleanse me, Lord. Make me pure before you. In the name of Jesus. And then let me tell you one more thing. And I... I promise I'm not trying to I'm not I'm not trying to be dramatic and I'm not trying to be a sensationalist. I'm really not. But in a in a very real way, we're all infected. We are. The disease is called sin. And you didn't do anything to get it, you were born with it was passed on from your mama and daddy and their mama and daddy before them and their mama and daddy before them and all, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Sin is a sickness that all of us are born with. And there's nothing that we can do externally to wash the sin away. We can't wash our hands enough. We can't do enough good deeds. We can't volunteer enough hours. We can't say enough scriptures or read the Bible. The only cure, the only cure for this disease is the blood of Jesus through his death and resurrection on the cross. And so in this moment, the most important thing, the most important thing that I can do right now that you stumbled across this Facebook feed and, and you're watching in Pennsylvania or California or Italy or Florida or Landis, North Carolina, wherever you're at, the most important thing, it would be awful. It would be horrible. I would be the worst, worst person in the world if somebody had the virus and they were dying. And I had the cure, and I kept the cure to myself. The worst thing that I can do as a pastor is that if somebody does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I didn't say if you were religious. I didn't say if you grew up going to church. I didn't say if your, your mama and daddy brought you uh, uh, or your grandparents brought you 20 years ago at, at a Christmas service. I'm talking about right now. Right now, do you have a living vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, he's the cure for the disease. He's the cure for sickness. So one more time, with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Maybe you feel something like this. You would say, Pastor, I feel like in my life I'm walking around, but I'm not awake. Like I'm going through the motions, but I'm not alive. But right now, I need the blood of Jesus and the breath of Jesus to breathe into my lungs so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. Come on, if that's you, if that's you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if your heart's not right, if you're living for yourself or sinful or selfish, this can be your moment. Don't waste a crisis. I beg you, I plead with you, somebody out there, don't waste a crisis. This is your day. This is your moment. Your life can be better. Your marriage can be better. Your your job, everything can be better. I didn't say perfect, but it will be better because Jesus will be your Lord and Savior. And so I want everybody, everybody, this might be a little weird, but even everybody in living rooms and cars and kitchens, I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. And if you, some of you are going to pray this prayer for the very first time, it's going to change your life right now if you mean it in your heart. Come on, say something like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I ask forgiveness for my sin. I ask that you would come into my heart and come into my life and help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. Church, I bless you to keep loving Jesus and changing the world. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.